Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey guys, it's Candace and Kayla, and we are directionally challenged. Yep, we used to think we'd have it all figured out by the time we're in our 30s. <laughs> but surprise, we don't. No, we don't. <laughs> That's okay. It is okay. It's absolutely okay. You know, Candace, one of my things that has been keeping me entertained all through quarantine was a lovely show that was really inspiring and fun to watch called Emily in Paris. And today is a really special episode because we are talking to someone who has lived out a life similar to Emily in Paris. She's been called the real life Emily in Paris. And I know you haven't seen all these episodes, but I just have to tell you, it is so much fun to escape into a beautiful city into someone who has sort of this dream job and is lifted made her life in this gorgeous city. I know you and I have spent a lot of time in this city together and made a lot of memories. So I'm going to highly recommend that you do watch this show. It's your homework now. Well, I know. <laughs> I, I I do watch. I mean, it's no secret. I am a TV junkie, but I missed this one. I haven't jumped in yet. I feel like I've just been waiting. You know, those shows where you're like, I know I'm going to watch it one day, but everyone is watching it right now and I'm going to wait and then I can binge a couple seasons of the show at once. So I feel like that's what Emily in Paris or Emily in Paris 
excuse me, that's how it's meant to be pronounced. Because at least I know that from my celebrity gossip site reading. But eventually, Emily and Paris uh, will be <laughs> on my Netflix homepage. But you had fallen in love with it. You kept talking about it. Everyone was talking about it. And then, you know, during the holidays, when we're kind of like looking at who we could get on the podcast early this year, I all of a sudden in my Daily Mail UK, you know, morning news read, this girl pops up and it says the real life Emily in Paris. Her name is Eden Morrissey. And I was like, well, this is perfect. <laughs> we can we can talk about what it would be like to move to Paris because who hasn't been dreaming of just like picking up and running off to some beautiful city somewhere else after we've all been cooped up for a long time and not traveling like we normally do. And I was like, this is this is great. We got to we got to get the scoop on what it's like to actually pick up your entire life after a heartbreak and move to one of the most romantic cities in the world. For those who haven't seen it, Emily in Paris follows Lily Collins as the title character. She moves away from Chicago to the city of... What is Paris the city of? Everything? City of France? croissants? City of... <laughs> no. Well, okay, yeah, obviously. <laughs> That's uh, We are very American right now. <laughs> we are, and I'm okay with it. Butter? The city of butter? <laughs> I think it's the city of lights, I think. Okay. She picks up and moves to the city of love and lights, and um, today we are going to sit down with Eden Morrissey. You know, there's nothing better than life imitating art. And that's exactly kind of what she did. And her story is really fun. And we're really excited about this episode, you guys. Eden Morrissey is a 20-year-old content creator from Buckinghamshire, England, living in Paris, France. You might know her from the Daily Mail, like Candace said, or... Like me. <laughs> or the New York Post as the real-life Emily in Paris. Eden moved to Paris after a breakup in the fall of 2020 and after sharing a viral TikTok about it created a platform for herself. Now she creates content about her style and all about her life in Paris as a young queer woman. At the beginning of this year, she launched French Girl Vintage, a collection of vintage and secondhand women's wear sourced by Eden in Paris and available exclusively at FerdinandDuval.com. I love our conversation with her. She's so lovely. So without further ado, here's our conversation with Eden Morrissey. <laughs> Let's go to Paris, y'all. And we are here with Eden Morrissey. Eden, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. We are especially excited for your episode. You know, we've all been through a devastating breakup. We've all been there before. It changes you and it truly makes you learn a lot about yourself. You know, most of the time... Some of us think, you know, I'm going to start a band or I'm going to take a trip or I'm going to move halfway across the world, but we don't actually follow through with any of it. But most of us clearly aren't you because you, Eden, did just that. You quit your job, you moved to Paris, and that is such a bold decision. We speak all the time on this podcast about people pivoting, making a huge gutsy move, finding themselves in a whole new light. And I know you were going through a breakup at the time. Your sister jokingly suggested that you move somewhere like Paris, and you did. So can you take us through uh, this time in your life, uh, what you were really going through at that time, and what ultimately compelled you? to pick up and move across the world? Yes. So what happened was it was 2020. So as we all know, 2020 was one hell of a year, I think for everyone. I had downloaded Tinder. I was always, always really anti like dating apps. I was always like, I'm never going to find love on a dating app. 
which is so funny now. I started seeing this girl. I had realized in 2019 that I was into women. So I really wanted to date women, but I never knew kind of how to connect with them. And so when I discovered like online dating, it felt like one online shopping, like for people. <laughs> and then also uh, it was so much easier for me to sort of meet women. So I met this girl and we had this kind of whirlwind romance. It was like super loving and like crazy. All of a sudden we were like together. And then very similarly, like just as quickly as it began, it ended a few months later with the pandemic and everything. During this time, I was working as a retail uh, retail makeup artist for Laura Mercier. And I was just so sick of not being able to do that anymore because COVID had made it unsafe for me to do what I loved, which was like doing people's makeup. I just felt like my life had become so stagnant. And so when this breakup happened, it just sent me over the edge. I would literally wake up every day and just cry because I felt like all of these plans I had made, I, I'm really a planner. I'm a bit of a control freak. I like to think that I've got my life, my life together all the time because, you know, life is, life is scary. This whole breakup thing happened and COVID has happened. Everything just felt so uncertain. So I was just crying to my sister. I was just crying all the time. <laughs> I didn't want to sleep in my bed because I didn't want to wake up by myself because I would cry. And I went to my sister's house one day and I just was speaking to her about how miserable I was. And my sister, you know, she went down the route of like having children in her early twenties and that was what she did, but she never traveled. And I felt like a lot of the time she lived through me with things. So she was like, why don't you travel? That's one thing I never got to do. And I always loved Paris. I visited a few times and it just always felt like a really special place. So yeah, she did suggest it. I don't think she meant it very seriously. I think it was just like, oh, why don't you do that? But because I just felt so low and I needed like a way out of the way that I felt, I just became completely fixated on moving to Paris. Like that idea of moving to Paris and making it happen, like making a change because everything just felt so stagnant and like nothing was ever going to be different. And I was so sick of living in the same place and knowing the same people. So I contacted my best friend uh, at the time, his sister was actually living here as an au pair. So I can explain what an au pair is. It's basically like a live-in. Sometimes they live in, usually in Paris, you get your own like separate living space from them because apartments are quite small, but it's basically like a nanny, but a little bit closer with the family. The idea is you're a bit like a, a, big, a bigger sister role. So it's really, really nice. Uh, I grew up, came from a big family, so it felt like really second nature to me to look after children. Uh, and that's how my best friend's sister was living here. So that gave me like a route to actually make it happen. So then I was like, I'm going to do it. <laughs> my parents were so not with the idea. I was 19 at the time. My mom always says I'm a really rational person and I'm, I like don't really take risks, honestly. I'm very like calculated. I like to play it safe. But every now and again, I just do something completely like unpredictable. And this was one of those moments. So my parents did not know how to feel. They weren't honestly behind it. I, I was just like, I'm an adult, you know, I'm, I'm going to do whatever I want. So <laughs> Which is usually like kids telling their parents, like, I'm going to go to this concert and you can't stop me, or I'm going to go to this trip and, you know, I'll be back in a week. But for you, you're moving to a completely different country where they speak a completely different language. 
You're very young, but hearing you speak, it reminds me of reading, I don't know if you ever read Wild by Cheryl Strayed. Uh, There was a movie about it with Reese Witherspoon, but it's basically she finds herself, you know, needing to kind of reinvent her entire life, which I think is such a beautiful opportunity, especially for women as we're just such evolving creatures biologically. I mean, I know we all are as a human species, but particularly women. And so for you to realize at that moment, like, Nope, mom, dad, I'm doing this and becoming obsessed with like this big move is I think what often, especially in the past couple of years of COVID, we've all dreamed of endlessly. But the fact that you were able to see it as a reality, like that's where the magic stuff is. And that's where the yummy stuff and of life is when you kind of just leap into it. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing is, when it was all happening, it didn't feel real at all. Like it was real and I knew it was real, but at the time it just felt too good to be true. Like I found a family that I was looking for. So the way it works with au pairing, you can go through an agency or you can use like free, it's kind of like online dating, but for families and au pairs, same sort of concept. So you both have profiles, you check each other out. And I had a pretty clear view of the kind of thing I wanted to do kind of family I was looking for and they were the first family that I got in contact with but the family who ended up you know being my my family in the end so uh all really, really worked out and it all felt a bit too good to be true my mom was literally saying to me after the call she was like mm, this is suspicious it's too good and I was like no 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 you're being a pessimist like it's obviously meant to be you're like mom this isn't going to be taken the movie this is going to be Emily in Paris the show like don't worry mom yeah I got this yeah I mean at this point, like Emily in Paris, I think had maybe just been announced. It hadn't even come out yet. It, they, I think it came out like the week before I moved. So it was crazy weird timing. But I was, I was just convinced. I was like, this is not going to go badly because I can't, I can't like, I need this to be the, the light at the end of the tunnel, which is what I saw it as. And I just poured all of my energy into making it happen. Once my parents realized I was serious about it, like I'm one of these people, once I have my heart set on doing something, I'm all in and I'm going to do whatever it takes. So they had to accept that. And uh, yeah, it was never felt real right up until my train. Because obviously, so I'm from Buckinghamshire in England. So it's pretty close to London. So dad dropped me off at the train station. And then I took a train, the Eurostar, to Paris. So literally, I'm just under the water. And when it came up into Paris, and I saw Sacre-Cœur, which is like, it's a really beautiful like church that you see when you come into the 18th arrondissement. I saw that and I was like, Oh my gosh, like it's actually happening now that, that in that moment only was when it finally felt like it was happening. I remember walking into my apartment for the first time and being like, this is, this is no way like wake up, like wake me up. It just didn't feel real at all, but I was only meant to be here for nine months and I've been here for, I think like 14 now. <laughs> so I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. That sounds incredible. Um, how long did it take you to acclimate? Because, you know, the TV version of this is it's a minute minute and a half pop song. And then suddenly they're moved into their, their apartment and they're happily acclimated. So what you step into your apartment and then, you know, life kicks in and it's real. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So I moved here. Like I said, I, I did know of someone that lived here. She was obviously my 
best friend's sister, but I hadn't actually met her ever before because they hadn't lived together. So I knew of someone here, but I didn't have any friends here. So that was the scariest thing for me. It was just like not having any connections. So that was the pretty much the first thing I did. Well, actually the first thing I did was I went to the shop and I bought a vase for my flowers because I was like, wow, I need some flowers in here. It was really empty. Priorities, priorities. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, of course. So I did that. And then I remember just joining a bunch of Facebook groups. The great thing about being an au pair is there's lots of girls all around the same age that do it. So it's really easy to connect with other people. The great thing is, is most people who move here that don't speak French speak English. (laughs) A little bit of an advantage for us English speakers. Just a question about being an au pair, because when I started looking more into it, I mean, obviously we learn about you just from reading an article that you were and like real life Emily in Paris. And the show has done so well that I think this has even started, you know, somewhat of a trend of a lot of young women from all over the world moving to Paris to kind of live out this really fun, exciting chapter in their life. But the more that I started to read, the more that I realized as well, a lot of these young women are going into the line of work of becoming an au pair and meeting these incredible families who just, I I don't know if it's part of the French culture, like the structure of the way that they work with au pairs in their life that would be maybe comparable to, in a way, what we would call like a nanny here in the US. But it just feels like a completely different lifestyle in in, uh, France in particular. Is, Is there like a specific training you have to do? Like if anyone is listening and they're young and they're like, oh my gosh, this is what I need in my life. I need an adventure and I need something new. And maybe I'll become an au pair. What is the process even look like? Because I mean, you were just going from makeup to this. This is a completely different industry. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not technically considered, especially by France, a line of work. Au pair in French to translate into English would literally mean on par. So the idea is that it's basically a language exchange. So most of the time, so my setup, let's take me as an example, the family I work for, they have one little girl and her parents both speak a good amount of English, but it's not their native language. And obviously English is a business language and it's really great to know more than one language just in general, but especially if English isn't your like mother tongue, it's great to learn it from a native speaker, especially. And kids pick up languages. The younger they are, the better for them to learn a second language, basically. So the tradition of being an au pair, it is like a, it's a French tradition. For example, the woman who I work for, my boss, she had an au pair who was German, who taught her German when she was younger. And it's just about sort of becoming part of the family And then you learn about the traditions of that country. They help you learn their language and you help their child or their children learn your language. And it comes more naturally than if you were to just take classes, purely because it's immersion learning. They always say that immersing yourself in a language is the best way, uh, way to learn it. Definitely agree, because I tried for years and I did classes for years in French. And only now am I even getting anywhere anywhere near being able to speak it and that was because I always spoke English my whole life whereas the girl I look after we've never ever done an English lesson together like our English lessons are us having conversations about things and it's been great because I've picked up words from her in French because she will forget the English so she'll say it over and over again like peanut is uh, cacahuete (laughs) 
because she always says peanut butter like uh, beurre de cacahuète. And I'm like, oh, you mean peanut butter? I have to keep reminding her. That's basically the setup. The family you work for, they are responsible for you because you can't be an au pair if you're over 25. So it's for young, usually women, but you can have boy au pairs too. So it's usually for young women. A lot of students do it just in like their gap years and things. So yeah, between I think 18 to 25 is their age gap. It's obviously much cheaper than having a nanny because they don't technically pay you. What they do is obviously they house you. So either that's with them or like I said, in Paris, generally speaking, it's something like a chambre de bon which, as you know, is what Emily claims to have. I will tell you, Emily in Paris has a very, very generous chambre de bon. <laughs> I, I am lucky enough, I don't have a chambre de bon. I have a studio apartment. That's just what my host family happened to have for me. This is common as well. It just depends who you work for. It's really just luck of the draw. But yeah, so that's the general setup for living situation. And then either you will eat with them or they will give you like a budget. Sometimes it's a bit of both. And then they'll give you pocket money, which is, I think, the legal like minimum for pocket money is about 80 euros a week. Which translates to around 160 US dollars, I would assume. It's usually euros. It's like double, I think, ends up being the US translation for most. Just for our listeners that were wondering what that translates into. Hey guys, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a minute. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. 
It's time to get more in 2024. I know for me, one of my goals is to feel really strong this year. And honestly, so far, so good. Because that's where 310 Nutrition comes in. It's helping me and our listeners in the new year with protein and super rich food products with so many options and flavors. Right now I have the chocolate bliss and caramel sundae and they are both so (laughs) delicious. I have to hide them from my husband so that he doesn't steal them too. They're a triplex protein blend, plant-based proteins that include pea, brown rice, and pumpkin that leave me feeling full. 310 Nutrition also has a hydrate electrolyte drink mix. My favorite is the peach mango flavor. So not only am I hydrating and drinking water, I have an electrolyte blend, vitamin blend, and it's sugar-free. With one stick of hydrate mix into 16 ounces of water, and it can provide the same amount of hydration equal to drinking two to three bottles of water. Thank you. This way I can keep my resolution, keep feeling strong, have greater focus, feel refreshed, and maintain my hydration without having to drink as much. One of my favorite refreshing water enhancers they have is the lemonade flavor. It gives me energy. This one's also sugar-free. It's used with real lemons and it's pH balanced. And this also offers the same hydration as two to three bottles of water. Right now, 310 is celebrating a new year of goals with code CHALLENGED and giving our listeners 50% off up to $100 for your first order. With so many sample packs, new products, it's really fun and easy to put together an order or start a subscription on products that you know you'll use and will help you keep your resolution. So go to 310nutrition.com and use the code CHALLENGED right now for 50% up to $100 for your first order. That's 310-nutrition.com and use code CHALLENGED. It's all the good stuff your body needs in flavors you crave. So be healthier effortlessly. And we're back. And obviously because you're not having to pay for rent or you shouldn't be also paying for like groceries, a lot of families also will include the Navigo, which is like in London, it would be considered similar to like an Oyster card. I'm not sure what you would have, but it's like for the Metro. Metro Pass. Yeah. 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 So that would mean that you wouldn't have to pay for travel either. So literally anything that would cost you money other than like coffee at cafes is is paid for and like clothes things like that so the pocket money is definitely enough to live off provided you are working for a decent family and yeah you shouldn't be working more than I think the absolute maximum for au pairs is 30 hours a week that's what I was going to ask are there a certain amount of hours so it's 30 hours a week and it could be every day or it could be you know Monday Wednesday Friday it just depends on each family it it does there are laws around it the problem is uh, and I will say this because I think it's an important disclaimer that uh, a lot of families do exploit au pairs. There aren't a lot, there's no real way to police it. It's really important that when you're meeting families, you make sure that they are aware of the laws and that they're going to follow them because a lot of the girls don't realize their rights. So for example, as an au pair, you shouldn't be working more than six days a week. You should have at least one full day off a week. So yeah, you can do 30 hours maximum and it can be split up between six days, but it shouldn't be any more than those hours. And some families will pay you extra for extra hours, which I'm not sure if that's allowed or not, but um, yeah, you shouldn't be working more than six days. And yeah, obviously because you are kind of vulnerable, that there definitely are families that they have girls work far too much or um, they take advantage of a lot of girls are too polite to ask for things like food money and things like that. So it is really important to get to know the people that you're going to be working for. 
and also just make sure that they are aware of their responsibilities when they're taking you on as an au pair because they don't act as your parents, but they are very much responsible for you. So another thing is healthcare. When you are a registered au pair, because that's another thing, they have to like formally register you. And a lot of families who are very naughty don't because then they have to pay taxes because they do have to pay like a tax having an au pair. So it's important that they have got a contract for you and that you're registered because then they can put you on their health insurance. So if you need a doctor or a prescription, anything like that, that you're covered because obviously if you don't have health insurance, I'm sure you're going to have some problems. But yeah, that's another thing that a lot of families tend to not want to talk about. That was an important point that I had to bring up with with mine. And obviously, like I said, mine were really great. I'm really lucky with the family that I work for. But it, it's it's a really amazing opportunity provided you end up with someone who is actually devoted to having an au pair and not just a cheap nanny. <laughs> so that's why it's important to really just get to know who you're getting to work for and also know what you can handle. So for me, I knew I wanted to have just one little girl. It could have been a little boy, but I grew up with three sisters. My mum was a childminder all my life. So we've always had lots of children in the house. They like for you to have childcare experience. So if you have siblings, that works too. Or like if you're close with, with nephews, nieces, cousins, things like that. If you did like extracurricular activities with children, it's important to, to be able to prove that you are good with children and that you've got experience with them. I wouldn't recommend this kind of thing to people that don't love kids because kids can be so, so difficult. And that's me talking, having only one who is an angel. But even sometimes I'm like, wow, oh, today is not our You're day. talking to two yeah. moms. We know. We, 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 know. we totally get it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, and my friends and I always say it's kind of like mum practice. <laughs> which is really nice. Um, but yeah, when my biggest piece of advice for girls, or just anyone really wanting to go into being an au pair is make sure that you, one, the, the family knows how responsible they are for you. And two, yeah, make sure that you really, you really are a kid's person because if you think, yeah, I can deal with kids. And then you've got three kids and they, you know, they can be really challenging. They can scream, they can fight. You need to be sure that you're not going to have like a breakdown because a lot of girls, they think they can do it and then they can't. And it ends up being a horrible experience for them. And, and truthfully, when you, when it's done right, it's a really amazing experience. So obviously you can prep as much as possible for the line of work that you were moving to Paris for. sounds like you did a lot of homework. Um, but one thing you can't do homework for is living in a new country with a new culture. And even if you visited Paris, I've visited a handful of times. Kayla has as well. We've actually been in Paris together a few times and had lovely, lovely vacations. However, I wouldn't consider myself fluent in the way of you know, Parisian or French lifestyle. And that will you is always going to a bit of a, you know, culture shock. And and that plays out very heavily in a show like Emily in Paris, which I think is an element of the show that everybody loves so much. So what have you found being a young woman living in a new country, but specifically France and specifically Paris, since I think this idea is just this romanticized notion of what it would be like to walk around the city in a beret with a baguette and flowers in your vase and, you know, finding love at the turn of every corner. What what was the moment where we were like, oh, this is still real life and I am completely a fish out of water? 
Obviously, I'm going to go ahead and just start with the, the elephant in the room, the language barrier. So obviously, take everything you just said and then add on top of that the fact that there was a global pandemic. Oh, yes. You can't even watch people talk with masks on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The fact that there was no tourists meant that because now when people see me, nine times out of 10, they just assume that I'm a tourist. Like they just know sometimes that I'm English. I don't know how they know. Or even if I speak French and then they hear me speak English to a friend, they break into English. Whereas before, like when I first came here, when we were in the middle of the pandemic, <laughs> very much so, people were not prepared to speak English with me and I did not know any French. So it was hard. I really just knew like, Bonjour and ça va. That was it. It was uh, it was really difficult. So what did you do? How did did you have Google Translate? Like, did you have one of those little you know dictionary things that like helps you with what, what did you do on a day to day basis? So I did have classes. So my host family arranged for me to go to classes. It was four days a week, two hours every day. It was intense. And truthfully, I'm not a classroom learner. <laughs> so it was really hard. And I, I really didn't do very well, barely learned anything. I was doing Duolingo. The most I have learned really though has been just through having French friends and also through listening to the family that I work for. Because obviously I only speak English with the little girl and I also speak English with her parents, but amongst each other, they just speak French. and. I don't know how often you've experienced being in a room with people speaking a language that you don't understand, but that push alone, like the push that gives you to learn a language when you're sat in a room and you can't understand what anyone is saying, let me tell you that will push you to, to learn some things. But I was like, I need to know what you're saying because I'm nosy and you know, I'm in the room. Like I want to be present. I want to be part of the conversation. So that being said, I'm not fluent at all in French. I speak about a, a two level, B one level, which is kind of, it's, it's, in, it's definitely enough to get by. Especially you're, yeah, you're able to hold conversations with friends. Like for anyone that would be living in this city, you can, you can make it through your day successfully, essentially, I would assume. Definitely. Yes. And like, I've had to do legal stuff in French. Oh man. <laughs> which has been, yes. Uh, so obviously one of my other jobs here is I create content. So I had to set up all my tax stuff for that. The whole thing was in French. So that's a good practice. Uh, my visa and stuff with Brexit, I had to get a visa. So <laughs> that whole exchange was in French. And the great thing is it's just good experience and you can always break into English if you need to. Most people in Paris speak English, but the biggest thing is, and I have learned this through experience, is that speaking in French and then breaking into English is better. If you just break in, start with English, a lot of people are more rude. A lot the Parisian uh, cliche is that they're rude. It's it's more that they're just very cold. They're very much city people. They do have more respect for people who aren't native speakers uh, of French to to at least try. That's my experience. Uh, so I learned that the hard way for sure. That was a hard thing to, to grasp. It was a difficult first few months. But yeah, making friends, like I said, the au pair Facebook groups was, they were such a godsend. I met one of my best friends in my first week here on, on one of these groups. And 
I just feel like we are literally like our souls are connected. So I can't believe that is how we met (laughs) on a Facebook group. It turned out really that everyone kind of knew everyone. It's actually a really small city. So once you meet one person, everyone, it's like a domino effect. Suddenly like, oh, he knows this person. She knows this person. It's really weird. So that was difficult. I thought like in the beginning, because I remember sitting in this very spot on, I think my second night. And I was like, oh my God, I really know no one. Like, I'm really so alone. And so I did what any normal person would do. And I downloaded every dating app I could find. <laughs> like, every time I was Googling, like, get best dating apps. And I was going on the Facebook groups. Putting yourself out there. Yeah, you put yourself out there. You made it and you. it's almost like the way you describe when you were making the decision to move to Paris to say, okay, no, I'm going to do my homework. I'm going to do this. I put my mind to it. And the fact that that is what you have to do when you want to make friends in a new city. I mean, I I just, I didn't move to Paris, but I moved from California to Tennessee, which are very far away. I don't know. I know that you're English, but it's, so it's basically opposite ends of the country almost. And so I, it's putting yourself out there to make new friends. And it's kind of like, you know, being in line at a grocery store being like, hey, notice you and I have the same groceries. We should (laughs) grab coffee sometime. It's so uncomfortable. But if you don't put yourself out there, it's not just going to happen. We're not all little kids in school anymore. So I commend you for that. And especially right now, I think it's so difficult coming, you know, still walking through this pandemic and trying to meet people. I think we're, we've all evolved so much in the past two and a half years as a society and everyone I, you know, individually. And so it's just a nice reminder, it, even if you haven't just moved to Paris for our listeners, that if you realize that you want to get out of it and feel a little less alone, like it's, there's no shame in doing the work. That is what you have to do, whether you're in Paris or whether you just want to make a new friend around the corner of your same street. And I think the older you get, the harder it is to make friends, to put yourself out there because you it's easier to get set in your ways and to just think, oh, well, I, I have a few friends. It's fine. I'll be OK. And so commend both of you for doing that, because that's a scary thing to do no matter where you are in your life. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a minute. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. And we're back. So Eden, wait, question. Have you watched Emily in Paris? Have you watched the full show? Yes, of course. You have. Okay. How realistic is your life to that movie, to to the series? I know you mentioned the apartment sizes were different. Is the series, for those listening who have watched it, I've watched the whole thing too and loved it. For those of us who have watched it, how realistic is it? And how are there, what elements are you laughing at hysterically? Because there's no way that would happen. I think it's really funny how... (laughs) (laughs) lazy they portray the French to be I will have to say that's not true Uh, there's a lot especially in Paris like they are really workaholics they don't start work at 10.30 or whenever they went to work at Savoir they do smoke a lot in fact I feel like there wasn't enough smoking in in Paris they smoke a lot as someone who like I I hate smoking like it's like I I don't mind other people but I can't stand it myself um I I'm literally always noticing how much it is the men like how sleazy Gabrielle is honestly kind of kind of accurate Uh, I don't have a lot I don't have a lot of experience personally with sleazy French men you know like I said I was I was really just interested in dating women when I came here, but one of my best friends, <laughs> I don't know if she's going to kill me for talking about this, but like she dated this guy and I was like, oh, oh, I had, oh, why do they act like that? They're very flirtatious. Like I was literally in the store like an hour ago and this man who was serving me, he like asked my phone number. I was like, <laughs> I was like, I'm gay, sir. <laughs> I was like, no, but yeah, they are very much like that. I love your response. I'm gay, sir. <laughs> How dare yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, the exchange was in French, so it was less sexy. Yeah. Think, but it, was, it was still like a... <laughs> Another thing, how beautiful... I know it's romanticized, but I have this theory. We have to romanticize our lives. Like, the world can be such a dark and scary place, and it's very serious most of the time. So that's one thing I, I liked the show for, was how silly and romanticized it was I felt like it was such an easy watch and the way that they portrayed Paris to be this like really beautiful place and it it doesn't go for all of Paris it's a city at the end of the day it's not like heaven (laughs) but you know when the sun comes out whenever the sun comes out here I literally feel euphoric like it solves every single problem I've ever had (laughs) just to go for a walk I'm like oh my gosh I feel like I can do anything like everything's gonna work itself out because it's just such a beautiful place and and I think the way that they portrayed it to be this you know really beautiful romantic place I think that is the reality for a lot of people it's not for a lot of people also but you know life is what you make it it's all about if you're an optimist. Uh, but I will say, and this is one thing me and my friends have all spoken about, I don't know how she gets around because <laughs> she 
she seems to walk everywhere and like that's possible but i don't know how she would have time considering that like every shot is in like a different literal <laughs> area of the city most people would metro everyone here metros so or takes the bus or like those lime scooters oh my god we live on those lime scooters here so yeah that's one thing i will say was so unrealistic that she never even took an uber did she even take an Uber? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's so She weird. just floats everywhere. The wind catches her and she just floats to the next Aaron Dossman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It, it does feel that way, though, when you're actually here, I think. Oh, and her friend living with her, like, but not paying rent. That is, no, that would never happen. Right. <laughs> I think that goes anywhere in the world, yes. maybe, but especially not here. Given the rent prices, like, no, there's no way. Not that you could live two people in a shop with a bond like that anyway. Uh, it's similar to, to Friends, the t- television show, where their apartment in New York City is so massive that re- it's just so unrealistic. So maybe and maybe it's similar, similar to that. Because Emily in Paris, her apartment is quite large and the building is beautiful. So I think it's just, you know, sort of this television show romanticizing everything. Of course. And like... Rightfully so. Like, we're allowed to dream big, right? <laughs> Even if that's not what we're going to get. <laughs> well, we asked our uh, our listeners on Instagram if they had any questions for the real-life Emily in Paris or just any questions about what it would be like to pick up and move your life to a, a city like Paris. You've answered a lot of them. The most common were, like, language barriers, you know, and during the pandemic, what was that experience like? You know, what your job is there? But a few other kind of logistical questions that we got was for anyone that wanted to just pick up their life and move to Paris, how does it work with financial transfers? Or do you not have to worry about that because you're in the line of au pair work? Anyone, there were a lot of questions about this. So that's the only reason why I'm asking. I know it kind of seems boring, but for our listeners that don't understand this question, sometimes when you move to a different country, you can't take your finances from the original country you lived in. This happens. So did you have any kind of nest egg when you moved to Paris? Did you have money saved? Have you made the official, official move where you're becoming a French citizen? Maybe that's where it gets a little bit more. So personally, I, I did have savings, very small savings just from where I'd been working. I didn't take them with me. Like I could have access to them, but they're in a, they're in a UK account. Um, and I have never had to use them because if you're repairing, you shouldn't need, you should be giving like anything that you need, like a life essential should be funded by your host family. So that's, like I said, healthcare, food, like housing, like you shouldn't be worrying about any of those things. And in my opinion, that's, that's what you would need the savings for. So I just had, I just came here with the paycheck from the month before, from where I had worked for Laura Messier. (laughs) That was all I took with me. And that wasn't loads. That was just like a month's worth. I think perhaps maybe it's different for me just because obviously, I mean, at the time we were in the Brexit withdrawal period. So I actually still had all the laws in place that would have been the same if, if the UK had still been a part of the EU. So I still did benefit. It was like quite easy for me to move over. I just opened a few, I opened a Revolut account, which they should be paying me because I literally promote them everywhere. But it's this account that you download an app and you basically can just transfer money via Apple Pay into this app. And like you can pay like five pounds for like a card and it gets sent to you. And you can exchange your local currency into like anything in the whole world within the app. 
And then obviously you just have it on that card. And the best thing is, is if the card gets lost or stolen, you can cancel it right then and there when in the app. And then if you need a new one, it can come within like one day. So it's essentially a credit card that works in all different countries? Yeah, kind of. Except from, it's not like credit, like it's it's your own money. Um, a debit, debit yeah, card. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So it was, my friend told me about it because I had her friend who like had traveled a bit around like Asia and it was great for her because obviously like you don't want to have to constantly be exchanging and like going, and cash is just not, I don't like to carry cash, especially in this city. Like it, it is known for pickpocketing and stuff. I never carry cash. So that was my money situation for a long time. No, that's great advice because there's so many, especially I think everyone's starting to travel so much again. So that is fantastic advice for anyone listening who is about to go on a very long trip or maybe thinking of relocating in a different country. That is a fantastic option. And on the opposite end of this question spectrum, so many people want to know, hot neighbors, are they a real thing? Because that's definitely a thing in Emily in Paris. Everyone just she stumbles into seems to be just gorgeous. Oh, my God. So I'm going to have to go with that's probably a neighborhood thing. My neighbors are old people and parents with small children. (laughs) So I'm going to go with not in my experience. But I also live in a very like residential neighborhood. There's lots of families. So I really have had to hit the I would have had to hit the jackpot for like a sexy neighbor (laughs) there are a lot of really attractive people here like I walk down the street sometimes and I'm just like you just look like that you just like live your daily life just looking like that and you're not like a model Uh, it is very much like that one thing me and my girlfriend joke about is how I know everyone loves Gabrielle but I'm gonna come out and say it like I have seen I could go to a random cafe in Paris and pick out at least 10 men more attractive than him. Like they did not. Oh my gosh. So then yes, that's definitely, (laughs) I, I, that's definitely a thing. Yeah. They definitely did not do like Frenchman justice. Like they, uh, they are, they are an attractive species that will give them that. But yeah, there are lots of attractive people in Paris. I will give them that. I don't have a hot neighbor though. You mentioned girlfriends. So take us through the dating experience now that you're experiencing in Paris, because I know you instantly downloaded all those dating apps. You went through this horrible breakup. You obviously came to a point where you felt like you were ready for another relationship. And where are you now? Okay. So it was really a whirlwind. So I actually met my girlfriend, I think two, three weeks after I moved. So I met her on Hinge. (laughs) And I remember... I went to Cafe de Flore the day before and I have a video of me. My friend was filming her hot chocolate. She was like filming the poor video, you know how it is. And you can hear me in the background. I'm like, oh my God, this girl is so beautiful. Like I want her to be my wife one day. I'm like being so dramatic. Classic Leo. I went on a date with her the next day. The date in true women love and loving women like form, it did last for like 24 hours. <laughs> We went to this stunning, like, dreamy cafe in Montmartre, which is, like, uh, it's up on a hill, and it's all very romantic and old. If you want to go somewhere in Paris, it's, like, classically Parisian. You go to Montmartre, and it was, like, all these beautiful pink flowers outside. Amazing cafe. We met there because we'd arranged two on Hinge. I literally thought she was so beautiful. I was like, there's no way I have a shot with this girl. What ended up happening was she came to my place for dinner that night because we were both free. 
And then there was at the time a curfew at 9 p.m. Like everyone had to be at home at 9 p.m. So she ended up saying, and we just stent, sat and spoke for the whole night. Like we just had conversation until like 8, 8 a.m. Like it was ridiculous. I've never spoken at someone for that long. Uh, <laughs> I think in retrospect, she was just being too polite to say, hey, I'm going to go to sleep now. But we really, we really clicked. We really got along, like her conversation really flowed. And then I saw her one more time after that. And, uh, and then it was kind of like, it do, it dawned on me quickly that I wasn't ready for a relationship. And I had a lot going on, a lot of unresolved feelings that would naturally come from just dropping everything and moving to Paris and not dealing with how you feel, right? So we kind of were friends for a few months after that uh, because it was just not, it wasn't going to work for me at that time. Like something romantic would have just collapsed eventually if I'd gone into it in that mindset. And then January last year, we kind of got much closer. Yeah, before we knew it, like <laughs> it was so it was so awkward. Actually, my friends would just call Emily is her name. They would just call her my girlfriend. <laughs> They'd be like, oh how's your girlfriend? And I'd be like, she's actually technically not my girlfriend at all. And then I met a girl through TikTok actually. Um and she was Lebanese and my girlfriend is also Lebanese. So I was like, oh my girlfriend is Lebanese. And then I thought about it. I came home, I and I said to her, I was like, um, so I told this girl I met today that you're my my girlfriend. I hope that's okay. And and that was how we kind of made it official. It kind of we just really just fell into it. And her name is Emily. Yeah. Even in Paris. What are the chances? Moves to Paris and meets her Emily. Yeah, she's my Emily. I it's really confusing though. We were at like a event the other day and this girl had obviously heard of me and I go by like the real Emily in Paris because of that article. And uh, she was like, So which one is is Emily, like the real Emily in Paris? And my girlfriend was like, Oh well I'm my girlfriend was like, I'm Emily, but she's the Emily in Paris. And this girl this poor girl was so confused <laughs> about the whole scenario. But yeah, I did. I moved to Paris, I found my Emily and we just we spent that whole first, it was like spring when we were first dating and it was like, pic- none of the cafes were open. So it was all just like picnics along the Seine and in like these beautiful gardens. Paris has amazing gardens. Like it was so romantic, like something out of a dream. <laughs> well, that's the other thing we kept getting comments on on our social media was just the dream of what it would be like to live in Paris. Then the panic of what the cost of living would be. But you've done such a beautiful job explaining to our listeners specifically what the route would be and the financial kind of stability of working as an au pair. But you've also taken that another step forward and started just building and building on this incredible brand, which first of all, congratulations. You've amassed so many followers on your Instagram. Um, Not only on your Instagram, you have 100,000 followers on TikTok documenting your real life Parisian adventures. And you've even launched French Girl Vintage Shop. Can you tell us a little bit about this and, and how, you know, just wanting to be really smart with your finances and kind of vintage shopping for clothes has led you to this really new, fun, creative endeavor? Yes, I can. I'm so passionate about this because when I first moved here, uh, bear in mind, I'm from the UK. So girls from the UK, 90% of us are wearing the same thing and it's from Pretty Little Thing. (laughs) And when I came here, I realized I had no real sense of style anymore. I was always wearing trends and I was really trying to appeal to like the male gaze, which is not what French women do. 
not very French. So from the get go, I was trying to find my style. And this was when on social media, people were talking more about how just ugly, actually, the fast fashion industry really is like for our planet and the people on it. I was naturally like, okay, I would like to move away from this, but I don't have the funds really to be shopping slow fashion right now. So I was like, okay, I've always been into shopping secondhand. I've always, you know, like bought things on like eBay, Depop. And in the UK, we call them charity shops, but they're just thrift shops really. And I would always sort of dabble in those. And I had my friend's sister who introduced me to her favorite thrift stores in Paris. And I just became an absolute like connoisseur. Like I, (laughs) I will go when I have like a free day and I will spend hours and I'll go to multiple stores and I'll just literally sift through everything, try on everything. Like it's really like trying to find a needle in a haystack some days. Some days you go and it's a lucky day and you have all these amazing pieces jump out at you. Other days it's like really, we have to look through and then you find a hidden gem. But I love the excitement of the fact that the the pieces that you find, like no one can just walk into the same store as you and buy that. Even if it is, you know, just like an old Zara piece, like no one is going to just walk into Zara now and buy it. I like the more uniqueness that you get. And anyway, obviously I was shopping all of these summer dresses. I got to summertime and I was thrifting all my summer dresses and I was getting comments on my TikTok and my Instagram. People were like, oh my gosh, I love this. Where is it from? And I was like, ah, it's thrifted. (laughs) Like a lot of the things I thrift, they're from these obscure brands or sometimes they're even handmade. I've thrifted a few handmade things. So obviously I couldn't recommend things to people. And uh, since I have such a passion for shopping secondhand, especially in this city, because I just think it's full of such amazing, creative, stylish people. The things they throw out are like, you know how they say one man's treasure is another man's treasure. Like truly, truly, some of the things I've found, like I will cherish for the rest of my life. I put a poll on my Instagram story. I was like, if I were to, you know, make some of the things that I find available to you guys, would you be interested? And there was a lot of interest. And is that how FerdinandandDuval.com was born? Yeah. So, so yeah. So Ferdinand Duval is an online fashion, fashion marketplace. French Girl Vintage is available exclusively on there. So my friend Alicia, I actually met her in the summer. She interviewed me for their, they have a magazine section of their website. And then she said, I was in the UK at the time, but she was like, when you're back in Paris, I'd love for you to like model for us or, you know, go for coffee. And I did some modeling for them. And when I went for the fitting, like we just really clicked, me and her. I was like, oh my gosh, I love you. So we became good friends. We did go thrifting together one day and I expressed to her that I would love to create my own vintage brand, but I just don't know even where to start. Most of the people that were interested in shopping the pieces that I find were in the US and I had no idea logistically how to (laughs) make that happen from France and everything so I guess she had thought about it for a few weeks and then she was like well why don't you do it through our website and we like make it like a project that we do together and I was like out of all the things that have come my way recently this is just the the best thing I was so excited about it and yeah we just we just sort of kind of leaped into it Which sounds like it's the way that all the wonderful things in your life happen. You know, you went from heartbreak to leaping into Paris, leaping into becoming an au pair, leaping into, you know, becoming this social media blossoming star and now leaping into starting your own business, Eden in Paris. And thank you so much, Eden, for sharing with our listeners today 
uh, just a little bit about the fact that that is all possible because I think coming off of these last couple of years in COVID and quarantine, you know, it's exactly what you're saying. We should dream big. We should want to walk around our neighborhood and take in the beauty. We should dream in a world where we're thinking of all the ways that life can be beautiful. And I just love that you lean into it. And not only on your social media, is it just, you know, obviously the beautiful snapshots, but that you it's genuinely um, you can just just watching you in, in while you speak. There's so much passion for the way that you live your life and in, 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 in just treasuring the beautiful things it has to offer. It's all the it's all the fun stuff that everyone enjoys watching on a TV show. And so it's exciting to see that there's someone in the world truly living it. It's inspiring for sure. Thank you so much, Eden, for joining us. We've loved every second of it. Thank you so much for having me. For all of our listeners, if you guys want to shop French Girl Vintage, a collection by Eden, you can shop her collection at FerdinandDuval.com. We will put that website in our show notes. But Eden, where can our followers follow you on social media if they don't already? So my Instagram is just my name. So it's Eden Morrissey. And that's with a double R and a double S. My TikTok is just called French Girl Vibes. Love it. There you go. Well, thank you, Eden, so much. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Have a great day. So there is one question I forgot to ask her. It's stupid and it's dumb, but I just wanted to know if she sits in a cafe every evening with a glass of wine and also if she eats croissants every day, because in my mind, that's what happens when you move to Paris. And I forgot to ask her. So maybe I'll reach out to her via email and see what she says, because in my mind, she does that every single day. I'm going to say yes. I mean, I I didn't move to France, but I spent like two, three weeks traveling through France with people that I met uh, years ago. I was doing Vampire Diaries fan conventions and would have time in between and would all of a sudden email friends back in the States and be like, hey, who has a friend in France or who has a friend in Europe or Spain? I'll fly there and hang out. Luckily, a girlfriend of mine led me to Bordeaux and was like, go hang out with some friends there. And and I met this great group of people and it took me to like their family vacation home. It was this whole, it was so much fun. You know, all the men were gorgeous. The women are beautiful. That's, you know, it's also a city where you're walking, you know, it's kind of like New York. It's you, you're walking, you're moving everywhere. You know, you're not really just sitting inside all the time. And even, you know, you're walking along the river. And, and so, but I absolutely think, I mean, that's what we did when we were in Paris. All we did was eat croissants and pastries every single day. <laughs> One thing I loved about Eden is how practical she was. She really made our conversation. So if anyone's listening, they can kind of, you know, understand what it's truly like to become an au pair. I loved her advice on the app that you can, you know, use money in different countries and just the way that she went about acclimating to the city and really her honesty of, yeah, I didn't know anyone. And it was really hard. I had to put myself out there, which I know, Candace, you have boldly shared on this podcast too, how you have to put yourself out there now that you're in Nashville. And so there were some similarities that you both had gone through or are going through right now too. So it was just really interesting to have a conversation with her and have her help us understand what it would really would be like to live in a different country and sort of that fish out of water. Feeling. It's an excellent how-to for anyone who's thinking about moving to Paris. Um, 
or really, you know, doing your homework to move to any city in Europe right now. If if you're young and listening to this, take advantage of the opportunity to go and explore. You know, if we've learned anything from kind of being cooped up these past couple of years, it's when you feel ready, you know, do your homework and then, you know, take advantage of the opportunity. And if you're old like us, don't worry. <laughs> There's always a trip or an adventure around the corner. It just will look a little different than Eden in Paris. But I think that what we can all learn from listening to Eden speak today is that uh, you can still walk around a city and find the beauty and the magic anywhere you go if you look for it. That's so true. Well, we hope you guys enjoyed this episode as much as we did. We have another great one coming for you next week and we'll see you then. Directionally Challenged is a production of Pineapple Productions. Produced by Melissa D. Montz. Edited by Diane King. Post-production sound by Chris Henry. Music by Joe King. And advertising partnership with ACAST.